people will look at a person and make a snap judgment about what they can do, who they are, where their place is. You know, I've seen it happening in some races. Like, wait, what? You've run 20 marathons? Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 83. Today, I have one of my sorors who also attended an HBCU, Howard University. She is a mathematician. She's been teaching for 25 years. She's taught in the USA, Ethiopia, Thailand. Shauna Anderson has completed all six world major marathons and a marathon on all seven continents. She did her first ever triathlon with four days of training. She's adventurous and spontaneous. She's visited 47 countries. Her model in life is a quote by Eric Thomas. When you die, die on E. Leave no dream left behind. Leave no opportunity behind. Accomplish everything you can. And she lives her life in that manner. So please welcome Shauna Anderson to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Okay, so why did you initially start running? What made you put on your shoes and hit the road? (laughs) So I was working in Alaska uh, as an engineering intern. Okay, really? Okay. My degree is in mechanical engineering. And one of the other interns said, hey, do you want to go for a run? And Alaska is so beautiful. This was in Anchorage. And I was like, sure, we'll go for a run. How long is it going to be? He's like, oh, just a couple miles. It ended up being like five miles. I was so annoyed with him when we got back, but I didn't know where I was going. So I had to keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you ran, you just ran five miles. Had you run I mean, before? I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, it, I think it was five miles in the end. I'm telling you, I was so annoyed with him, but that was about 30 years ago. So I was in a different shape back then, right? <laughs> I ran the five miles and so After that experience, I decided I wanted to start running on a regular basis. I was at Howard University undergrad. I just started running on the mall and things like that. It became a habit. And then in 1995, when I was a student in Cambridge, Massachusetts, I actually, quite frankly, was going through a breakup. (laughs) I saw a message saying, would you like to run a marathon? And that started my training, you know, something that was really negative. I was just getting all that negative energy out by doing training runs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's therapeutic. (laughs) Right, exactly. Started uh, doing my training runs, ran all through the winter in Boston and Cambridge. And so that's how I ran my first marathon, actually. Okay. So you initially started, was that 1994? Is that correct? When you first started running? Yes, I was in Alaska in the summers of 89, 90, and 91. I did my first 5K in 1994. And then I did my first marathon in 1996. So how how did that progression go? Like from the 5K to the marathon? Or was it just like, I'm doing marathon after you saw that message? 
I'm just going to yeah, After do it. I saw that message, I was not even thinking about a marathon, not at all. But then I saw that message. I was reading a magazine one day and it says, how would you like to run a marathon? Okay, <laughs> I'm doing that. So I had sort of progressed running in D.C., like I said, at Howard University on the, on the National Mall. I was increasing my mileage, but the marathon was a big step. So in two years, went from the 5K to the marathon. So did you train with the group? Did you have a coach or did you kind of pick an online program? So the advertisement I had seen was for this Jeff Galloway program. So that's the first program I used. I mean, there were a group of people. It was like the Jeff Galloway Boston group. And I joined that group and I didn't know any of the people there. Mm-hmm. I was the only black person in the group, but we trained all winter and, and prepared ourselves for the marathon. And the reason that that group was formed was that was going to be the hundredth running of the Boston Marathon. Okay. And it was the first time they were going to have lottery entries for people who hadn't qualified. Oh, okay. That was the first time they did charity and all. So I was not familiar with it at all. So I didn't know anything about charity, but it was the only time they were doing a lottery where you didn't have to raise money. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. The one and only time because it was the hundredth running of the Boston Marathon. Oh, okay. Hmm. The Boston was your first marathon. Then. Right, exactly. That's, that's pretty awesome. So tell me about your first marathon, the experience. So I did the lottery, um, like I said, for the Boston Marathon. And fortunately, I was living there at the time. And so I was able to run the hills and stuff. Like the people who lived there, they knew the course. I was only living there for one year. I was in graduate school at Harvard. And, um, and my, my program was just 10 months. So it just happened to be at that one time when I was living there, that this chance came up. And quite frankly, I went to the expo with my friends. I didn't get a number for the Boston Marathon. So I went with my friends and I was like, okay, I wasn't lucky. I didn't get a number. And I didn't know anything about bandits. I didn't know anything like that. So I went with my friends. We went to the expo. They got their bibs. And I said, I'll watch your bibs. They had to go to the restroom at the end. And I said, took care of it. I'll watch the bibs. I'll watch all your stuff. And there was a man standing there. He's like, are you running? I was like, no, I didn't get a number. I'm going to run in Vermont in three weeks. And he was like, I'm injured. Do you want my number? What? (laughs) So I was able to run it then. But then I had to go back again in future years and run it for charity. Okay. Okay. So you run Boston twice. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I think I remember seeing pictures of you when they had a meetup from the National Black Marathon Association. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was there. Oh my goodness. I had yeah. hair then, but I was there. <laughs> yeah. How many other marathons have you run? I have done a total of 20 full marathons. So I went to Rio de Janeiro to run a half marathon, and I met someone there named T. I know T. Oh, you know I T. I met her in Berlin, yes. <laughs> when I did. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, goodness. I was with T in Berlin, but we were standing in different. In fact, she came and stayed in my hotel room. Oh, my goodness. That's so funny. So I met T for the first time in Rio de Janeiro in 2012, 2013. And you know how T is. A year later, she was like, hey, sis, I'm going to Antarctica to run this marathon. I was like, what? She was like, you should come with me. So me, T, Abby, I was like, I'm not coming to Antarctica. Anyway, looked into it, ended up running Antarctica in 2014. And then after I ran Antarctica, I decided that I was going to do the seven continents. Okay. Yeah, so I've run the seven continents. And then 
like in Berlin and Boston and London. So you've done all the majors too. Yes. Okay. You've done seven continents and all the majors. I want to do all the majors. Okay. But I don't know if I want to do Antarctica. That's the only <laughs> thing about the seven. Because I heard it's it's very expensive and then it's hard to get there. And then the weather conditions, most people race add like at least two, three hours to their time just because the conditions. Right. Well, I will say that. So there are a couple different or maybe even three outfits that you can choose. And so I went with an outfit that was less expensive Mm-hmm. Like, I think they were like up to like, I don't know, $18,000. The the outfit I went with eight years ago was about half that price. Okay. And you flew to Antarctica. You don't take the boat down there. Okay. This outfit also stages a marathon in South America doing the same trip. So you can get two continents for mm-hmm. one. Okay. Yeah. So tell me about your favorite marathon out of all the ones you've done. My favorite. Well, I will have to say my favorite is uh, the Paris Marathon. I think then I was living in Thailand at the time and, you know, I was doing spring in Paris. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I went there for spring break. So it was probably my favorite race. I think I felt I was in the best shape when I did the race in Paris and that was in 2002. So I did the first marathon in 1996 and then it took six years for me to do another one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe it was 2001, five years later. And then I, I would say that the one after that in terms of just the overall trip being my favorite was the marathon I did in New Zealand. Okay. Because okay. I ended up staying there for five and a half more weeks oh, in nice. New Zealand and it was unbelievable. So tell me about your least favorite or your worst marathon Ooh. and why. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I will have to say there are a couple. The rock and roll Marathon of San Diego, mm-hmm. so many hills, and I live in Chicago. Like the mile marker for mile 20 was at the top of a hill. I mean, it was just, I mean, no indictment on that, but all those hills, I was not prepared for that. That was mm-hmm. really, really hard for me. And then I'll have to say my last continent was in Kenya. Obviously, I was happy to be in Kenya, and it was with the Maasai Mara. And But the problem was it was at 6,000 feet. 6,000 feet? Yes. It was at altitude and I have asthma. It was very, very difficult. And so I was being passed by Kenyans, obviously. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Kenyans were laughing me on that race. (laughs) But I, when I, and it was a double loop. And so when I finished the first loop, oh my goodness, I was like, I have to do this again. It was very difficult and in the end the race director I was the last person to finish the race director actually I don't drink alcohol but he bought me like at the gathering where we were talking about the race he actually bought me a Fanta he was like I just have to give the award for perseverance every time I saw her she was smiling I know it was a struggle but you know Shauna Anderson it was so nice oh that's nice <laughs> um, I have a picture of the My Side Warriors were all there and the race director convinced them to take a picture with me. So there's a picture of me at the finish line with like eight Maasai warriors dressed as warriors. Oh, nice. Unbelievable. Yes. Tell me about the Antarctica race, though, as far as your experience. <laughs> okay. We flew into Chile. So the, the company with which I went to Antarctica, you stay in Punta Serena's Chile, which is like the southernmost tip of South America. Mm-hmm. And then you fly to Antarctica. I get there on a Saturday and we're going to be there a week. 
And we don't know which day the marathon is going to be. They said it could be any time in this week. And the reason is, like you alluded to earlier, because of weather, like a storm could roll in. And the year before, a storm rolled in and they didn't get to finish the marathon. Wow. What part of the year is it? So it's in um, end of January, beginning of February, which is their summertime. And so it, the temperature when we were there was about 35 degrees. But with the wind, it was about 25. That's summer weather for them? That's summer in Antarctica, yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I actually was living, I, I live in Chicago, and that was the year we had the polar vortex. So in Chicago, it was like 50 degrees below at some point without the wind. It was actually warmer in Antarctica than it was in Chicago when I went. That's crazy. Right. That's crazy. I, I missed the polar vortex. Too. I was in Utah, and it was 40 degrees. Oh, my God. <laughs> Skiing. <laughs> That's right. We're there in Antarctica. I get there on Saturday morning. I meet T and Abby. We go to lunch. And they had said, we're talking to the pilots and we're listening to the weather. So we could go to Antarctica at any time, just be prepared. We go to lunch that Saturday. I got into the hotel at like 9.30. We go to lunch that Saturday. We come back at like, I don't know, 5 o'clock. It says, we go to Antarctica tonight. I said, what? I even have a picture of it. So then they said, dinner at 7, debriefing at 9, leave for the airport at 11.30 p.m fly overnight for like four or five hours, land, run the race in Antarctica. You got eight hours to finish. Then we're getting on a plane and coming back. Coming right back. Wow. Yes. So you had to sleep on the plane, basically. (laughs) And now it's a little different. They actually, people have tents and they stay in Antarctica overnight. But when I did it, they didn't do that. So we flew in and Antarctica is, and you may know this, so I apologize if you do, but anything you bring in, you have to bring out. We had to go to the restroom. We had to put it in like barrels. They had to take it back out. Yeah, it was a very interesting experience. So when the sun was coming up, that's when the race started. Mm -hmm. And on the course, mud, ice, snow, boulders, gravel. I mean, it was everything. I ended up having to trash the shoes afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. And you're right. They are like, it'll probably add two to three hours to your time. So I think that ended up being over seven hours for me mm-hmm. wow. in Antarctica. Would you do it again? Actually, I'm thinking, I was sort of thinking about seven continents, halves. Okay, okay. I mean, it's like you said, though, it's expensive. So I, I have to really give that some thought because there are many other places I want to visit. I know. You seem like you have an adventurous spirit. You've raced everywhere and you've taught in what, Ethiopia, Bangkok. Where did you get this free spirit? Because some people are scared to leave their neighborhood. My mom has this running joke. The joke that my mom tells people is, they gave me the wrong baby because I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think me and my mother, too, because I went home one year from college and I didn't want to go home. We should go to an island or something for the holiday. She's like, I'm too old to travel. That's when you travel. We're not related. (laughs) (laughs) Right. My mom was like, who is this? When I I was living in Alaska, like we'd like go up these mountain passes and she would be freaking out. Are there bear here? Are there moose? And I'm excited like a kid. So I think, so I, I grew up from, I'm not ashamed to say from very humble backgrounds. And so I would only be able to, dream about places by reading about them in books. Mm -hmm. 
you know, reading about Japan when I was a kid or reading about Egypt or, you know, Timbuktu or something like that when I was a child and never imagining that I would be able to go to all of the continents and all these places, you know, as an adult. And it's sort of like also, you know, being a U.S. citizen and growing up here, I think a lot of times people get the impression USA is number one and why do you need to go someplace else? And that's not my attitude. My attitude is I'm a global citizen, right? Mm-hmm. And I want yeah. of other people in the world. And it's sort of like this childlike wonderment I have about all these places. And I just want to lay my eyes on as many places as possible. And I really want to live my life like it's golden. And that's what I'm doing. So when I was driving on that road in New Zealand and I saw a sign, I had made my, I made a promise to my mother, mom, I will never bungee jump. I promise I'll never bungee jump. I was in Zimbabwe and I did zip lining. No, 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 I'm not going to bungee jump. But when I saw a sign, just by chance, I was driving from Queenstown to Dunedin, I think. And there was a sign that said, welcome to the Karabu Bridge, the site of the first ever bungee jump. I was like, Oh, let me just go see him. Yeah, it might be interesting. Yeah, it might be interesting to just see. Hour and a half later, I was on the ledge. (laughs) Wow. And what did your mother say? Oh, my goodness. First of all, I was terrified of telling my mother. That was the worst part. I mean, well, the the jump itself was pretty scary. But I was like, what am I going to tell my mother? I had already survived it. But I was still worried about what I was going to tell my mother. But this is what got me. The guy said at the place. Now, of course, it's a marketing technique. But he says, here's the thing. I don't want you to be three or four hours down the road saying I had the chance to do it. And I didn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what got me. So then you sign these papers. And one of the papers says toe tag. They consider that to be a joke. (laughs) You have to sign the name says your toe tag. And I had to put my name down. And then, uh, like I said, I have a degree in mechanical engineering. So I went over there. I was talking to the people who were like conducting the jump. I was like, has anybody ever had any accidents here? Show me how this works again. They show me how they wrap it around your ankles. And, you you know, you're tight as your ankles and you're upside down uh, in this. <laughs> Unbelievable. I felt like electricity was going through my body when I finished that. Really? I'm an adventurous pro. I like zip line. I don't like drops, like even roller coasters. But that dropping upside down, I think I just would vomit. But then when you go down, yeah, it's head first going towards water. And then they're like, do you want to stretch? Do you want to touch the water? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because they make the rubber band. It's obviously bigger than this, but it's like a rubber band. The tension in the rubber band, depending on whether you want to touch the water, they weigh you like three times. I mean, that's a lot of science that goes into it. Well, that's, that's good to know. <laughs> and then they said, stretch like Superman, but I forgot to stretch because I was laughing and screaming so much. So I missed touching the water. And then they don't reel you back up. They lower you into a raft Okay. in the water. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably better. You would do it again, I assume. You would enjoy the experience. <laughs> <laughs> So unbelievable. So you majored in engineering, but you're a math teacher. How did you make that transition? I know it's a lot of math and engineering. When I was an undergrad, I took a lot of extra math classes. And one of my professors, I, as I told you, I come from humble backgrounds. And I had a mechanic, I had an engineering scholarship, but I needed some extra money. And so I was telling one, of, I was telling my calculus professor, I was like, oh man, I need a job. He's like, do you really need a job? I said, I do. And his wife ran the Center for Academic Reinforcement at Howard. So it's a tutoring center that people will come in and get help. 
So he got me a job my freshman year of tutoring fellow students at Howard. And I had that job the entire time I was there. And I got a lot of satisfaction out of helping people understand math. Which is a gift because everybody can't teach math. I would agree that, yes, some people are not. They understand it, but they aren't able to convey the information. And also I met, I have some, like one of my best friends, I met her in the math program. And she was like, I just don't have the patience. Because if they don't get it, I'm like, what? Why don't you? What about I said it? Why? And so you can't have that attitude as a mm-hmm. teacher. Mm-hmm. I'm just to figure out a way to make them understand if they don't understand it at the first time, you know? Mm-hmm. I was sitting in a, a graduate mechanical engineering course called Continuum Mechanics. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there and the guy was talking, I think about tensors. And I was like, why am I here? I'm really not interested in this. I thought I wanted to be an engineering professor, but in that moment, I decided that I wanted to become a high school math teacher. And so I left the program and I ended up going to the the ed school at Harvard and getting my master's in education. And so that's how I became a math teacher. And I just finished my 25th year. Okay. So you enjoy it, obviously. Oh, yes. I really, (laughs) really enjoy it a lot. Especially at times like this, you know, because I I have the summers off. I have to work really, really hard while I'm teaching, especially in the last three years. Mm-hmm. Bread with the COVID, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. But to have the summers off and be able to have the time to go and travel and see the world the way that I want to, it's definitely worth it. And I'm not the corporate type. I'm just not, that's not my jam. <laughs> Mine either. In season five, we will continue the segment, Ask the Doc. If you have any questions related to musculoskeletal health, please email me, send me a message via social media, or click on my website and leave an audio message. Select messages will be answered on the segment. You excel in places that can be intimidating, whether it be engineering or going to Harvard or when you said you started running, you were the only black person, only plus size person, but you always felt comfortable. Where did you get that confidence in yourself to wow. be comfortable? Oh goodness, you're so, good at <laughs> so I will say when I was going, I was in public school in Gary, Indiana is where I grew up. And I would go to these math competitions and, you know, I don't mind just being honest with people. When I saw the other people walk in the room, like there was a mm-hmm. military academy that we used to go against, and there were people who did not look like me. When they would walk in the room, I have to tell you, I immediately felt defeated. Mm-hmm. I felt like I'm going to lose because, and even though I had all my math teachers in high school were black and in middle school were black, for some reason I had just been told that we did not excel as much, you know, growing up or we aren't engineers. We don't do well in math, even though I was like in a Gibson Talented program. So anyway, I had this sense already that I was defeated. But then I have to say, going to Howard University, you know, historically black college and university, mm-hmm. people would have the impression that you're not working as hard or it's an easier. But I would tell you the engineering school was in the valley, along with like physics and the medical school. They were like, we were in Death Valley. We were down there. <laughs> Getting our behinds kicked. I was not hanging out up on the yard. I mean, I'm sure that people did that, but I wasn't. I was down there in engineering school. And they were using the same textbooks as other schools. But I also were able to see people like me and learn about the history 
of black people in math and science and other areas. And so then mm-hmm. that built up my confidence. Right. Mm-hmm. It was at that time that, quite frankly, I started wearing my hair naturally. I just slowly but surely started gaining my confidence. And mm-hmm. now I walk into a room. I can do this. Like I teach at a private school. I'm mm-hmm. the only black person who teaches math here for the 25 years I've been teaching, other than when I was in, uh, in Ethiopia and I was teaching with Ethiopians. So I have to be confident in the parent body with whom I work or, you know, whose children I teach are also people that are confident in their work. So I have to be confident in mine, right? Mm-hmm. So that they understand that your child is being taught by a qualified math teacher. Okay. I read one of your quotes in an article. Um, I somehow decided to think big, determine my own destiny, take a breath and be fearless in realizing my dreams. Yes, absolutely. You know, as I was sort of alluded to before, there are so many times that people will place black people in a box, mm-hmm. right? They have these stereotypical notions about what I can and cannot do. And I'm not, uh, please understand, I'm not angry. I'm not always looking for issues of racism. This is not how I roll because I'm really happy by nature. But I've decided that nobody, as much as I can help it, will tell me what I can do and where I can go and where I can visit and why can't I go to some of these really remote places by myself? I mean, of course I'm going to be careful and you have to do that, especially in the United States, a person looking like me driving on my own in certain areas going running in the morning, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's sort of like, it's my resistance, right? Like Mm -hmm. I am going to, as much as I can carefully go where I want to go. I'm a citizen of the world. You can't tell me what I can do and what I can't do. So that's kind of why I say I just take a deep breath. Like, okay, I'm doing this. Let me just take a deep breath and then just go because it's allowed me to live a fantastic life. Right? I'm, I'm having no regrets. I don't want to have any regrets. When it's over, I know. Right? I understand. Why not? Why not? All but bungee jumping. I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> no jumping out of airplanes. That's the one thing I haven't done. I haven't. I don't done that either. And I, it's a clause in my disability that I can't. Just if I die, I'm good. But if, if I'm disabled, <laughs> I'm getting my money. <laughs> so I wouldn't do that. Mm, I think bungee jumping might be a clause in there too. I think, yeah. It's amazing to me how you talk about Howard and how it instills. I went to um, historically black college university of FAMU and I feel going there changed my life too. I mean, I think maybe, I don't know where I got this adventurous bug either. Cause my mother, my dad was in the army, so maybe he was, but I just not really got that from him just from talking to him growing up. So I never got that. He was adventurous. He was in the army. I just figured he just went to the army. Right, 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 <laughs> so, right. <laughs> You want to go or not? You're going to these places, right? Yeah, I think they just want to go to the army, but yeah, I don't know. And FAMU, it's open kind of the world for me. Just, just yeah. my contacts and people I know. And it's, I was in Spain. Nice. What part? Madrid. I meet random people who went to my college. It's just interesting. We're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, HBCUs have a place. Mm-hmm. Definitely, right? Yes, they do. Indeed. I love mine. I'm sure you love yours, too. Yes, I, <laughs> I like Howard, too, but, you know, I'm biased <laughs> from my school. But <laughs> right. I know you guys had the band and then 
Is it green and orange with gray? Orange and gray. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Yes. Yeah. I know Pam, you girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was reading also about you done triathlons correctly. Because it said you train it four days. And you Okay, sure. Let me, let me explain. Okay. <laughs> I have some running friends and they, they were doing this special program in the summer. But usually I can't do things in the summer because... I'm traveling. That's what I mean. I have summers off. I'm out of Chicago. So I came back at the end of August and they said, hey, Shauna, come out with us on Monday. We want to show you the special program we were doing. And so I went on Monday. I did the training program. It was great. And then I I did a four miler after. So then she says, hey, tomorrow, come swimming. We've been swimming in the lake all summer because we're doing this triathlon. Mm hmm. So I just come in, you have a swim, you, you have a swimsuit. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had been in Lake Michigan literally in like 35 years. Okay. Really? Okay. But you knew how to swim. Like, I mean, you knew. I took swimming lessons three or four years ago, terrified of the deep water, but my swimming coach with private lessons got me over the terror of the deep water. So, but the problem is like, I can run, you know, marathon, have marathon, but swimming, my breathing I don't relax, and so I can't breathe. Yeah, yeah. It's so hard, yes. <laughs> but I went out, and so I started swimming a little bit, and the coach was like, oh, you should go over there with the intermediate people. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm okay right here where I can stand up, and then I can go to the shore if I need to. So anyway, that was on Tuesday. So at the end of the lesson, they were like, okay, everybody, you guys are ready for the triathlon on Saturday? And I, of course, I'm not listening because I'm not doing the triathlon on You're Saturday. You're like, yeah, hey, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't even know what you guys are talking about. They said, come, Shauna, come back on Thursday. I was like, okay, yeah, it's almost the end of the season. I'll come back. This is fun, you know. So I went back on Thursday. And in the Thursday session, they simulated the triathlon. Okay, okay. So that was the lesson. So I said, I'm here. I'll just do this. So they were doing it three times. And it was like a rectangle. Like you go perpendicular to the shore, swim, then swim parallel to the shore, and then come back. And it was a quarter mile swim. Okay. They did it three times. The second two times, I have to tell you. I got on my back. I was like, I'll do a backstroke because I can breathe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I did backstroke. And at the end, they were like, Shawna, you should sign up. I was like, the doggone thing is on Saturday. Do mm-hmm. like a quarter mile swim. It's a six mile bike ride. It's a mile and a half run. You can do that, right? So I said, I don't need to have a bike. They said, we have a divvy division. You know, where you can rent those bikes. So anyway, I signed up. <laughs> and the coach has said, Shauna, listen. This is a super sprint. They make it in the part of the lake that's very shallow. Like if you need to stand up, you can stand up. You stand up, yeah. Girl, we got out there on Saturday. They had Mm -hmm. changed the course to 15 feet of water. You couldn't stand up. Oh, wow. Okay. But you did it. I did it. (laughs) So tell me about the race, though. I did. Okay. So we're all out there. The guy says, welcome to the swim portion of the race. And he said, did you hear me? I said, swim. The water is the deepest it's ever been. So people started panicking. I was with a black group of people. You know how we do. Got in a circle, started praying, right? <laughs> and you're like, what are we going to do? Because you can't stand up. They had been training the whole time in the lake where you could stand up. In shallow, yeah. Shallow, right? So mm-hmm. anyway, thankfully, I had done the backstroke. So, and they had people out there and they're like, listen, if anybody needs to rest, you can rest. They had lots of good news. This is the first time for a lot of people. They're like, if you can get over to a paddleboard, you can rest, but they can't help you. So I went on my back and the, there were people out there like saying, I don't think you're strong enough for lifeguards. You should go back. You should do this. And so I just didn't even go near them. I just started flailing my arms, backstroking really fast. <laughs> like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. 
so they would send me back and I made it. I cannot believe I did that. I cannot believe I did it. One time I was on my back, so I couldn't see. And some of the lifeguards were like, come back, come back. You're going to- You were going off course? <laughs> You're going to Michigan, come back. <laughs> <laughs> so they helped me. Two times I stopped. And one woman who was in my group, we stopped at the same place. She's like, we're doing it, Shauna. I was like, I know, Sandra, we're doing it. Finally did it. The coach was so happy. Go, Shauna, get on the bike, get on the bike. Because sadly, some of the people in our group, they, they weren't able to do the race. Mm-hmm. And so then they were like, how are you going to come on a Tuesday? <laughs> and do a race on a, on a Saturday. Do a race on Saturday that you didn't even train for. But you know what? I've never DNF'd in a race. Mm-hmm. There's no shame in it, but I've never done that. I'm like, if I put it out there, I'm going to do it. So I have to tell you, on that beach before I got in that water, I had to have a talk with myself. I was like, listen, if you get in this water, you need to finish this race. But also, your mama gonna be mad if you drown. So figure. (laughs) (laughs) So I was girl backstroking like it was like my life depended on it, and made it through. It was one of the most satisfying things I've ever done in my life. Would you do another? Well, people were like, are you doing it this year? I was like, oh, I finished it one and done. But I am taking swimming lessons to become more confident in my swim. People are telling me, yeah, you say you're not going to do it. Yeah, I I think you would do it. Come on, come on to the dark side. I call it triathlon. (laughs) Girl, I don't know about that. I don't know. We'll see. If I can do it, you can do it. I ain't learned how to swim till 2017, really. I freak out. Sometimes I have to come to Jesus moment, but you know, you can do it. So you've done some? Yeah, I've done, done a lot. Since at 17, I learned how to swim. 18 was my first year of trying, I should say. I did two sprints, an Olympic, and a half. Are you kidding me? You did a half Ironman. And then 19, I did a full. But the swim was canceled. But I was prepared to swim. <laughs> you did a full Ironman. Yes, 20. I was supposed to do a few more. But COVID, and two knee surgeries, so I've been kind of out of it. So next year is my year if i did a super sprint like just a regular freestyle swimming let not the backstroke that would be my first hurdle so i am taking swimming lessons uh this winter okay come on come on you like you i know you like a challenge okay you know you do (laughs) (laughs) you like a challenge my current challenge is these uh 50 states halves okay so what's on your bucket list other than the 50 state halves (laughs) Yep, I'm currently working on 50 states half. And I've, even though I've done 31 half marathons, I've only done 15 states. Okay. So I already have five states scheduled um, for the fall. I'm doing three in October, one in November, and one in December. Okay. And thinking about, as I was telling you, maybe half continents. I already have half marathons in South America and Africa. Okay. And obviously uh, North America. So I only need, you know, four more continents. And so thinking about, but I don't know, like I, like we talked about that Antarctica thing. Yeah. So Antarctica, I can do the other, but yeah, even though I've never been to Africa, but uh, it's on my list. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. And so what one of my friends said this weekend, I'm going to, to California to see her and she's like, Hey, Shauna, we're doing Grand Canyon rim to rim Labor Day weekend. Come and do that. No. Like you stop at the top, go down to the Grand Canyon, come back on. That's like a two or three day. 
Yeah, it's nice. No, it'd be nice to go to the Grand Canyon, not to do the run. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, and I've, I've uh, yeah, I've, I've been to the Grand Canyon. You're right, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> sort of. I'm sort of getting into hiking. I kind of like that, so I'm going to hike up to the Hollywood sign this weekend. That should be nice. It's about a three hour okay. hike. Yeah, that's happening in California. Okay, okay. So you do travel a lot. Oh yes. You got to get it in before school starts back. Get it in before school starts. I'm 47 countries in, ready to get out of the country again. But this past three summers, I've been driving around the U.S. Oh, so you like to drive? I didn't think I did. But then when COVID happened and I couldn't leave the country, I bought a national park pass. And in the summer of 2020, I drove 10,000 miles in six weeks. I went to 10 different states. Where'd you go? Montana, Wyoming, Idaho. South Dakota, Oregon. These are places I had never been. So what did you do when you were there? I've been to some of those places skiing. Like I've been to Wyoming, Idaho. I want to go to Montana. They have a nice ski resort, yeah. But other than that, I don't know what it's there to do. (laughs) (laughs) I met some friends in Idaho whom I I had met at Boston Marathon, and they invited me to come. Okay, okay. And I was like, y'all got me doing stuff I don't generally do, like whitewater rafting. Oh, I've never done that. Yes, I did that. I want to do that. Yes. And again, I was the only person who looked like me there. So I was teasing them like, what y'all got me doing here? But anyway, it was fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) I I bet you did. The adventuresome. Yeah, I bet you did. That sounds like fun. I want to do that. I really do. Because my godson went whitewater rafting. This was before COVID. He sent me a picture. He was like, I've done something you haven't. (laughs) I was like, yeah, you have. You have, yeah. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, you have. He had to find something. Yes, it was fun. It was fun. And I, you, you can go to the front of the raft, ride it like a, like a Bronco or, or whatever. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, so I did that. You have to hold on tight. And then in the calm part of the water, I got in the water and was floating down a river in Idaho. It was pretty cool. Okay. Interesting. Part of my podcast is to have guests who've overcome obstacles to make it to their finish line. Can you tell me about an obstacle, whether it be running professionally or just in life that you've had to overcome? Sure, sure. You know, I, I can take that from a couple different angles. I, like I said before, came from very humble beginnings. My mom even says, like, I didn't know anything about college because neither of my parents went to college. And so my mom's like, there must have been some innate mm-hmm. sense that there was something else you needed to do in your life. And Somehow, through a couple teachers, my favorite math teacher, Mr. Moore, and counselors told me about programs like at Purdue and at MIT uh, when I was in high school uh, that I went to during the summer to kind of introduce me to engineering. So some way I knew that education was going to be my ticket out to have a different type of life than I experienced growing up. And then working in, in schools that are very different from the type of environment where I learned has also been, uh, can sometimes be a bit of a challenge because sometimes people want their children to do really well and everybody is on the same page wanting kids to be successful. But sometimes people are really looking for occasionally somebody to blame. And a lot of times the teacher is the person, right? And so you just have to, you know, remain professional and you just have to come to terms that some people feel like everybody should earn an A and can earn an A and, and saying it's okay if your kid doesn't have an A in math. I mean, it's a little easier because math is objective. 
And so I can show, you know, it's either wrong or right, right? It's not like, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's subjective, right? It's like, I, this is wrong or right. So having the objectivity of my content is helpful, but it has been a challenge in some places. But again, like I said in that quote that you uh, said, you know, just take a deep breath, mm-hmm. try to live my life authentically and honestly, decide that I will determine my fate and I will be successful. And you know what? Quite frankly, I'm trying to represent for my people. Yeah. Yeah. I have to do whatever necessary to do that. That's true. So if a present day Ashana could go back and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give yourself? My goodness. Wow. (laughs) If a present day Ashana could go back to my younger self, I would tell my younger self who was in those math competitions feeling defeated even before I started, that you can do this, you can be successful. Not only are you an excellent math student among the peers that you know, but you're capable of being an excellent math student with everybody, right? Not just with my classmates at Gary Roosevelt High School. I would also tell my younger self that those um, times when I had to struggle financially, when I was working like three jobs, when I was at Howard, that things are going to be all right later on. I know it's really hard now and eating ramen noodles and all that. <laughs> later, you know, you'll be able to go to some really, you know, nice restaurants and not really have to think about the bill, right? On the other hand, quite frankly, I think those struggles made me who I am today. It made me really appreciate the life that I live now. You know what I mean? So I don't know that I would trade any of those, but I would probably reassure myself that things would turn out okay in the end. That's good advice. (laughs) Thank you. Any last minute words of advice for my listeners? As I was saying in the, in the runner's world article, you know, lots of time people will look at a person and make a snap judgment about what they can do, who they are, where their place is. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I've seen it happening in some races. Like, wait, what you've run 20 marathons because I don't have the stereotypical runner's body, but it's not up to anybody else. (laughs) It's up to me, right? It's up to what you say you want to do. You are the person that determines that destiny. Nobody else. People may think they have the right to say what you can or can't do. They don't. They don't. They don't. I do. That's one thing I love about running. You go to races and you look around and you see all the people out there, different sizes, different races. I mean, some people, you can see them struggling, but it's like, we all out here. We all out here. Yeah. We all out here covering the same. Yeah. Yeah. Right. may take some of us longer, but we're still getting it done. And some people say they even admire people. I'm not trying to get people to admire me, but they're like, People that are, you know, like people getting the marathon done in like three hours. And then you got other people out there for like six. They were like, I admire those people. They're out there double the time I was out there. Right. You have to have some perseverance. You really do. Makes you a stronger person. So you have perseverance in other aspects of your life. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Carries on over into all aspects of our lives. Mm -hmm. So where can people find you if you want to be found? So my Instagram is shaping Shauna. Okay. Yep. Shaping Shauna. And I am starting up a blog. Similar, the name is uh, Shaping Shauna at Blogspot. I think that's the name. I'm doing it from memory. And and then Shauna Anderson on Facebook. So what's your blog about? Running? Actually, the blog is about running. But when I started a little while ago and I need to do some updates on it, it's my continuing 
quest to become my healthiest self in terms of my weight. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's, that's something I'm still working on. I think we all are. Yes. And I talk about that and I do updates occasionally on Instagram about that. Okay. Well, I thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me today. I'm so honored that you um, invited me. I really, really appreciate it. I've learned a lot about you and I look forward to talking to you again soon to hear about your experiences and adventures. And I'll be listening to the podcast. All of them. Thank you. That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, Please email Run It Is Cheaper Than Therapy, OLB, Omaha Love Brown. Again, that's Run It Is Cheaper Than Therapy, Omaha Love Brown at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life, We Love, OUI Life, OUI Love. Thank you, and please tune in again. <laughs>